Hello, I'm Will Yeoman and welcome to another episode of The Pod Well Travelled where I'm joined again today by Moens Johansson and Stephen Scarfield in our lovely home studio here in somewhere, some undefined suburb somewhere in Perth, Western Australia. We don't want to give you a, your home address. Do we <laughs> Not really, that. no. You're, you're, um, you've got unless enough... Someone, unless someone wants to come around and do the garden. You've got enough trolls and stalkers <laughs> as it is. Let's just talk about the people who work with you. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might mention this little box-like object that's sitting next to me as well. Yes, why not? Um, it is a... It's a power bank. So what we've got is a roadcaster podcasting desk... Um, which is a, a podcasting desk which has got all the mics plugged into it and it's got sliders so we can adjust each of the voice levels. Yeah, it's basically just a mixing desk, isn't a it? A mixing with desk. With a whole heap of other stuff. Very, um, it's a it, super so. little um, podcasting mm. unit, but we've mm. got that plugged into an iTech World power bank. So this is a, it's about the size of a four-wheel drive's battery. How about a small esky? Small esky, <laughs> yeah, that's right, like a six-pack esky. Six-pack yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's a very um, serious bit of battery. So this is now running the Roadcaster. It'll run all sorts of stuff. It'll run a small fridge um, for several hours. It's got a twelve. It's got a kind of socket. You know the twelve volt socket. It's got USBs and it's also got a normal two thirty AC out um, plug. So we're mm. just plugged into this. Um, iTech World Power Bank. iTech World is sort of based at Burswood, WA company. Uh, I bought this for 700 and something dollars, I think. But this is a serious bit of kit. So, you know, particularly when we're out and about charging drones all the time and yada yada, all the stuff that we need to charge, this is a very good bit of equipment. And, and the reason we're plugged into it today, of course, is because we're testing it out so yeah. that we can, in fact, go out and about in, in future editions. Yeah, we can take the whole out. studio out, plugged into this one little battery. Fantastic. Yep. So today, we thought we might focus on thing, all things, well, not all things visual, but mainly photography, but as a way of travelling that's borderless, truly borderless. We can travel through the image, can't we? And I know you were saying earlier, Stephen, it seems odd to talk about photography and so forth on a podcast, but, you know, the imagination's a wonderful thing. The imagination is one. Mm. And, and it does, you know, as you say, um, and Moans and I experience this with the, with the photo walks, mm. is that, you know, you could be walking around Fremantle, I mean, you could be walking around Rhode Island or, you know, we could all name it other places you know when you're walking around looking for images enjoying your phone camera or camera you know you've got this kind of license to go out in the world you've got a purpose mm. and you've got a frame to put the world in i think that's very refreshing for me it's it's um you know it's it's a great way to just i don't know it's all i think about when i'm taking pictures is just taking pictures and i find it very cleansing yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's, you sort of rediscover, uh, you know, your own city in a, in effect, don't you? I mean, it's 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 really, you know, the same as walking around like you were saying Rhode Island, for example. You know, I mean, you you're you're just you're looking for things uh, that might interest you or catch your eye or whatever. And uh, until you 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 make the commitment to actually go out and do these things in your hometown you'll you'll never see it in the same light as you you'll see a, a city or a place you visit on holidays 
Yeah, it's very it's very mentally liberating, isn't mm. it? I, yeah, it I is, find yeah. so. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, the way you're talking about photography too. Um, I, I guess I was referencing initially the idea that we we look at images passively, but this is a very much an active engagement through producing your own images. So there are two different kinds of processes going on here, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, often we talk about, uh, when we do these photo walks, we talk about, uh, you know, collecting sets of, of images. You know, uh, you, could, you could set yourself a task of, of going out and, and uh, pick a particular theme. You know, it could be, you know, doorways or it could be, you know, shop fronts it could mm. be street photography it could be all kinds of different things yep. and uh, once once you sort of start looking for for images to suit that particular purpose uh you know that it's amazing what you find you sort well, of get in the zone don't you yeah you've just been doing this macro photography yeah those preachers were fantastic yeah so macro. Just give us a little a couple of tips on macro or thoughts on macro? Yeah, I mean, macro is, is, is another example of one of these things that, that uh, on, I mean, it's a great subject because you, you can do it anywhere at home. You know, it's great these, you know, these times where we are perhaps a bit more housebound than, than usual. Mm. And uh, just uh, I started doing this story and I obviously needed a, a few pictures to go with it and just little things like uh you know the the bubbles in some coffee or something like that once you once you get really close uh it it makes a picture um, it's really abstract isn't it and uh you know it's it's it doesn't it's not just i mean usually when people think macro they think uh, insects and flowers and things like that which of course you know are interesting subjects as well but ordinary things like uh you know it can be it can be a drawer full of uh, cutlery or mm, exactly. it can be anything the you're only limited by your imagination but once you start looking at these things uh you know you you find pictures everywhere and macro photography is is one of these these uh oh uh, art forms where you have to you have to really take care of framing your pictures right and getting the point of focus right that's that's uh, extremely important but but it's not difficult it's it's just about really applying yourself to to this little task that you're setting yourself so the point of focus is important uh, the lighting is really important uh, but but other than that you just pick a subject any subject and uh, and you're away those two points you've raised that you're really fundamental aren't they with your with a phone camera mm. is that wherever you touch on the screen will will be the point of focus yeah mm. so that yeah. applies to mm. all your pictures mm. yeah. everywhere you know rather than let the camera work out what it's going to focus on you, you know just take control of that is a really good point yeah for all of our photography anyway when we're out with the with the phone cameras uh you know it you you are better off uh i mean sometimes with with a a conventional camera you can you can have the point of focus very much to the foreground or to the background whatever you you think is is best but with the phone cameras because of of the way the lens operate the the optimal sort of area is sort of around the center of the frame so you sort of need to keep that in mind i mean it, it tends to a lot of the phone camera lenses are quite wide angle lenses and the, you know if you sort of pick the extremities around the frame uh, it, it will start to sort of distort and not quite be in focus mm. in, to the same mm. extent. So, yeah. we're, the, Wow, we're, we've, we're straight into Will's territory of 
visual arts so, so much. I mean, but, but I did want to ask you about the question though, because you're both you know accomplished writers and photographers. Have you ever stopped to think how do how do I think? How, how do you think? Do you either think in pictures or in words or mixture? Because you know that, that's a fair question. It might sound yeah. weird, but a lot of people are predominantly visual yeah. thinkers or predominantly think in words. I think it's uh, well one one suggestion is that that it's actually kind of the same thing because this is not a a waterproof argument Mm. but you know some of the best photographs have story in them Mm. so if you're looking for a story you know Mm. you're looking for a composition that gives you a nice tight point of view and you know you've got a bit of war and a bleak view down a road and you can see someone standing towards the end of the road and they're obviously doing something you know you've got a little story in a picture and it's the same as writing a story so i think looking for stories is sort of the same you're looking yeah, for something that's a really good point actually right. it's, it's still a form of storytelling a form of narrative yeah necessarily it, verbal. it is and it's, it is you know in us in our writing we have a point of you know in our lives we have a point of view um and we use that phrase a lot you know your point of view my point of view is political economic religious, whatever you like. And in photography, you have a physical point of view, mm. POV, as, mm. A, mm. as an angle that you choose and none of us really want, you know, lots of other people in our pictures and power lines and, you know, we manicure and, um, and sort of refine our view through the screen or it's through always a matter of selection and exclusion isn't it yeah Any it's exactly you right photograph well, yeah and mm. it's the same in mm. in our writing you know you're choosing you have a yeah, point of, of view mm. um so if you think of the same things and if you're going out looking for story and you're going out looking for you know oblique views and points of views then you can combine the two mm. into one thought i suppose so, Moans, how about you? Because you pro- you were mostly a photographer in your you know long and illustrious career as a journalist before <laughs> yeah. you got more into writing. Do you yeah. still think predominantly as a photographer, or are you sort of feeling like you're it's more balanced nowadays? Oh, it's perhaps a little bit more balanced, but I'm still very much uh, sort of visually orientated, yes. uh, and and I use I use photographs as my my notes in many cases so i take lots of pictures wherever i am and uh, you know often refer to them just for for those kind of um, what well, inspiration really sometimes you know i mean you're sitting writing a story and and when you look at a photograph for longer you know that that whatever you captured sometimes you see things in there that you you may have missed otherwise you know mm. when you just cast your your eye across a scene and that sort of stuff you uh, and, and you compose an image and you think oh that looks nice and then it's not until you sort of actually physically look at it after that sometimes you discover other things yeah, in there sure. as well mm. and and so so I use that a lot uh, I, I sort of you know, take a little bit of extra time to to look at my favourite images from a location or an assignment, and uh, and and just refresh my memory. You yeah, know, Aiden memoir, aren't they? They're yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I do the same actually. When mm. Writing pieces, it's a really good idea. Yeah. Mm. Well, there you go. I think we also, I mean, you learn a lot by looking at pictures. Mm. I mean, whether it's visual you know painted art visual art sculptures mm. or photographs it's it's all part of the education of the eye and obviously mm. online there's just as much as you could you know want to see you know 
I'm sure most people listening to this will be following whoever they like on Instagram. Um, I'm not so sure about that. You know, a lot of that is is a sort of procured type of view. But um, I just thought I'd mention that the the State Library of Western Australia has seventy thousand images now available online through the State Library catalogue. So that's a great way of seeing sort of historic WA, but also just seeing lots and lots of images. That um, they've got a, f- a full State Library catalogue at SLWA, State Library of Western Australia, that is, wa.gov.au. So just perhaps have a look through for that. That's interesting. And just as an offshoot of that, of course, there's an exhibition of um, Izzy Orloff's photographs at the State Library. Um, it's on at the moment and runs until April the 17th. And Izzy, you know, is often talked about as, as West Australia, one of West Australia's greatest photographers. He photographed through the, you know, more over 40 years from the 40s mm. through the 1920s mm. onwards. Um, and there's a, a large exhibition of his work, which is historic, showing work on the Trans-Australian Railway, um, showing, you know, people arriving, showing the old rottenest ferries and so on. But it's very, it's quite refreshing just to see see those images um state library of western australia on the ground in the ground floor gallery until april the 17th so there's a couple of practical and very grounded suggestions for looking at lots of images here in western australia i'll just add to that once you've done that be quite interesting to set your phone to square format Mm -hmm. mono black Mm -hmm. and white white. and then go out taking pictures you know, and use that as a Fantastic refresher idea. of the palette, having yeah. seen all these images, to then go and, you know, sort of mimic that, mimic that yourself. And composing in a square is really quite different. I think, you know, also uh, viewing sort of uh, historical uh, exhibitions and, and photographs is important because I think, you know, that back, you know, going back some years, you know, uh, they were much better at recording events and places than we are now we, sh- we shoot a lot of people now don't we uh i think not literally obviously yeah, but, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh you know it, the, you know to get that establishing shot of st george's terrace or you know a a, a, a historical event that's occurring you know whether it's uh the qe2 coming into Fremantle Harbour or mm. something like that you know mm. those kind of things that we you know they're significant they you know might be significant events at a, at a point in time and and we don't seem to record them it's, as well as they used to do I think. it's very true that the well taken photograph which is you know beautifully balanced beautifully composed and you know great exposure just a well taken establishing photograph I think you're absolutely right that we we do less of that. We're looking for the more intriguing offbeat, you know, all the time. But it's a good point, actually, mate. I'm but just, just looking through these pictures now, thinking how right you are. <laughs> and, but, but, but there's a moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a good but, job we're uh, recording it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, just what you were saying before, uh, you know, I think just like uh, as, as with reading books you know will make you 
a better writer, mm. you know, looking at lots Photographs. of pictures will make you a better photographer as well. And I think, you know, one of the things that's come about with social media and that sort of stuff is that we, we can all identify what a really good picture is. And I think, you know, it all comes down to the, the, the same basic principles about lighting and composition and all that sort of stuff. But we may not know necessarily not everyone may know the the composition rules that's been applied mm. in a particular photograph but they recognize you intuitively it. yeah exactly it. yeah and and i think that's one good thing that's come about with you know photography being so widely consumed. widespread yeah. yeah actually it's a really good point i'm glad you brought it up because while you were talking i that's was thinking two about <laughs> okay, well, as I say, I'm we're recording fire. it, so indeed. <laughs> People, if you don't believe it, you know, here it is. Uh, um, this idea that, you know, how we learn, as children, we always learn by Im- imitation, don't we? So you're effectively doing the same thing. And in a way, to imitate by just looking and learning and just trying it out yourself is, is better than, than, sometimes better than learning through theory. I think theory comes afterwards. Not that many people get to be really good at what they do just by studying textbooks do they you've got to get out there look at lots of really good stuff and then try it yourself don't you that's right and do you think and, and taking inspiration because i'm i'm thinking out loud now but you know when you look at visual art like painted mm. visual art mm. to commit to painting um whatever it is a, a scene or a still life you know that you have to be much more committed to composition so because you're going to spend hours and hours and hours creating this artwork as opposed to just pressing, tapping lightly once with yeah, your thumb. that's actually a really good point. So, you know, mm. maybe maybe looking at painted, you know, visual art is is kind of taking that next step backwards even into composition because, mm. you know, it has to be more thought out than a quick click. I'm wondering about that too, like, you know... Um contradicting myself in regards to theory if you look at the really good artists you can always tell if they understand perspective and if they understand anatomy because if they don't you can see it straight away in your in in the picture and i'm not sure that's something you can actually get through imitation and copying you actually need to understand the rules of perspective you need to you need to understand anatomy in the old days through dissecting corpses of course and Mm. nowadays we've got um you know ai and all the all the high-tech stuff where you can examine the human body and it's all its various layers and so forth Mm. so it's kind of interesting isn't it it is i'm not not sure you can really become a good painter for example just by copying it's always going to be lacking yeah yeah but writing and photography somehow i think they're different i think you can be great Mm. purely by just reading and looking you know yeah and the, not necessarily the, understanding the theory exactly right the next the next step in this is to take pictures but then to have a little bit of written text with it exactly you know? and you can caption mm. pictures in mm. in your phone and just add you know some note or some interpretation so you've got you've got the view and you've got your reaction to it you've in one piece well. you know? and yeah. i think they don't, they're not it's mutually exclusive, are they? It's, they're it's not. Both. They're not exactly right. Mm. You are one person mm. with one view, mm. one perspective. It's a great time for this. You know, <clears throat> we're all sort of, you know, in Western Australia, we're all poised, thinking about, you know, other when, places, when, when will it other be? Worlds, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but you know, as I often say to, um, particularly to people who uh, approach me, saying, "Oh, you know." want to be a travel writer i'm going to send you a travel story and i always say to them don't send me your travel story 
send me your 10th travel mm. story. If you're mm. serious, send me your 10th one because I wouldn't expect to go and play for Australia unless I'd been in the nets hitting a few balls. So this is a good chance for us to get in, you know, to sort of set ourselves little moments when we take pictures to get very familiar with. We feel, Moans and I, and you will, sorry, the three of us can fill a two-hour photo walk just with stuff that your phone does. Mm. There's that much that the phones, phone cameras can do. And probably so within, become, you know, one square metre. Just yeah, that's right. We <laughs> barely so move. I mean, the first hour we've hardly moved. So, you know, be very familiar with, you know, focusing your camera, with um, changing the exposure mm. just by dragging the screen up and down. Um, you know, another little technique is to use... Use panorama in very short little pans. I mean, we tend to use panorama as this mm. great long pan and mm. get a tiny strip. Mm. But if you just, even with groups of people, four people, just pan along and stop. Just enough to give you a nice Just to get rid of the foreground. Yeah, stop. absolutely. It's great for lots of little mm. scenes with mm. buildings, little panorama can be just, you know, probably about 15 degrees, not 180 degrees. Um, and just become familiar with all these techniques. So it's a great time to do that for when we all get moving further afield. And then, you know, the rewards will come when you're in a tour group rushing past something and it's a bit of a grey old day in Europe and you want a lovely picture and you'll just go, oh, I'll use that little pan and mm. you've got a, the front of the building. I mean, you're right about all this technology and that, that actually, just to go quickly back to the topic of theory versus practice, did, does it mean that the, with, with the mobile phone being what it is, and all this other great technology, you can get really, really good results without knowing so much about aperture, you know, f-stops, all this, all the technical stuff that people used to have to know. And pre-digital, of course, the darkroom techniques. You know, can people? You know, well, well Moans, you're the ideal person because you've been through all that that mm, change. Yeah, that's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that. You said that. Yeah. But he started off with a black hood over his. <laughs> And someone holding up a flash, I think. It's a big wooden box. I don't yeah, know. Sure, it wasn't like a, a stone with a chisel. Nobody moved for 15 minutes. So. <laughs> but seriously, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, technology is such a, that, um, in some ways, it, it might take the fun out of it, but it means you can get really, really good results just by touching a screen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I started my. I guess photographic career working in a camera shop yes. and I remember just little things like people would would uh, would come in and they would ask you to take the film out of the camera and you'd find that they hadn't put the film in the camera properly you know mm. so even you know basic things like that in you know probably 40 years ago you know it was was common and and uh, there was also that unknown if you didn't know the the theory behind photography you know the shutter speeds and the apertures and all that sort of stuff it was a bit of a lottery for some people what they actually got out of their camera and it wasn't until you know uh, cameras like uh, the Kodak Instamatic and mm. those kind of things came out with the cassettes that made it easier to to sort of load, load the film, film. foolproof mm. virtually yeah uh, and and there was no sort of exposure settings or anything like that there might have been a sun and a cloud that was about <laughs> it you know uh, but that was kind of the, the early adopters of, of that sort of simplified photography that we now see in in mobile phones mm. except mobile phones now do it far far better you know that than you know some of these instamatic cameras 
They see. do, but it was interesting because you can bring, if you've got some of that knowledge, you can bring that into the phone. Absolutely. So, you know, port, for example, talking about iOS, the iPhones, mm, mm. if you're in portrait mode, you see the little F in the top right. If you touch on that, you can actually adjust the depth of field, which is the sort of distance in focus before and after the subject. And you can do that manually and you can see it, but you can see it in the screen. So, you know, the, the that, that deeper understanding, which a lot of the audience will have, you can bring to the phone. Yeah, exactly. And some of the, like the, the so-called pro modes have give you full control over, you know, the f-stops and the apertures and the rest of it, the, you know, and the um, f- well, sensor speed, not film speed anymore. EV, some have got EV, you know, what's that, what's that exposure value? Yeah. Thingies. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But you've got all that if you want it. So I think it, like it caters for all sorts of people, doesn't it? Right from the beginner who knows nothing right through to experienced pros like yourselves, you know. Mine's it's prompted um, me. I'm, I'm probably going to have to go and get my Kodak Instamatic, which was my first <laughs> camera when I was nine. It's just in my study there. So. Yeah, they're fantastic. You know, those, <laughs> and it still works. <laughs> and, and, you know, just, you know, reminiscing, you know, things like the Polaroids that first came out. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, they were, they were mm. really simple and fun cameras to use. And, and it sort of broke new ground, didn't it, you know? Every wedding's got an Instamatic now. The idea got that you could actually see the, the picture table. right there on yeah, the spot exactly. is incredible. Yeah, you incredible. didn't have to send it off to the chemist for very, you know, to get developed <laughs> like two weeks or whatever it was. was. A lot of fun. <laughs> That's right. Actually, can I quickly go back to the old historical photographs? Certainly. Most people will know this, but you might go to your local library, your local shopping centre. I was in Louvre, for example, the other day, and they've got all these wonderful old black and white photographs, like almost a history of shopping in Western Australia. You've got the old Bones buildings and all these other... You know, you can often find these black and white photographs. Yes. You know, almost anywhere in any public space. Yes, it's space, true. That's true. And obviously, you know, the museums and so on have photographic collections. Yeah, the Maritime yeah. Museum has some wonderful old photographs Absolutely. as backdrops mm. to their displays. Mm. Um, so, or you can you can sit and look at them online. I'm just looking now through. Um, you know, Greg Woodward um, was a surf and urban landscape photographer here in Western Australia. There's a fantastic collection of his pictures in the State Library Archive, as I mentioned. Uh, Alfred Hawes Stone lived from 1801 to 1873. So those are the oldest photographs in the collection. Wow. You know, that was mm. very early mm. technology. But as mine says, you know, there was, there was more formality because in portraits people had to sit still mm. and so on. Mm. But in composing, you know, you had to really take time to compose pictures because you were going to get one go and it was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and composition is interesting as well, couldn't it? it? That's the other big thing. Exactly You're actually right. paying for film exposure. Um, there's a wonderful um, collection by uh, Louis Whelan in the mm. State Gallery, which mm. is a focus on the experience of African migrants to Western Australia. Okay. So unusual points of view there. The building of Wellington Dam. Um yeah, all sorts of all sorts of collections. I'm just going right back through them. Of course, they've got um, Richard Waldendorp's photographs in that collection mm. as well, which you can mm. see online. Um, which is, you know, Richard's so well known for mainly for his abstract aerials, I yes, suppose. Yes. Um, but of course, you can do all that with a drone now, can't you? <laughs> we love our drones. Which is, in in a way, the latest big development in modern photography, isn't it? 
the, fact yeah. the affordable yeah. drones. Exactly. Exactly. Know? I mean, just because they're so easy to use now, I, th- I think there was a bit, I mean, I was always a little bit hesitant, you know, flying one of these things around because it, it seemed beyond me, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but they really are so easy to, mm. to operate now mm. and, uh, and safe as well. You know, it, 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 um, it, you know, it won't let you fly them in sort of uh, areas where you shouldn't be flying them. For example, I mean, I was out at uh, Kaiguna a few weeks ago and uh, I wanted to, uh, I'll just put the drone up here and uh, sort of didn't really think that, you know, there's a, an airstrip mm. close by, you know, and, and technically speaking, you're flying sort of close to yeah. an airport yeah. uh, and it just won't let you launch it, for could example. It could have been embarrassing. Yeah. It could have been embarrassing, But I mean, it is one, of, I mean, that is not a particularly yeah. busy airstrip no. as such, but, <laughs> no, really. you know, it's just one of these things that, that you may or may not be aware of when you're, mm. you know, mm. flying your drone that, you know, you are encroaching on, you know, commercial airspace or, you know, busy uh, mm. busy areas where you shouldn't be flying it. So it, it just won't let you launch it. Yeah. So, yeah. so you can't love, get yourself into I'd love to say trouble. three things to uh, anyone listening who's in that same space of being nervous about these things. One is that there's a button that you press which it just launches itself and hovers, you know, probably about two metres off the ground. And from then on, you can take control and mm. take it up mm. and away. Two is that it calculates how much power it's got left in its battery. And when it comes to the point where it's got to come home, it, it will just say, I've got to go home now, and it'll come home. Mm. So you can't sort of run out of power and crash it somewhere. And three is that there is a home button when you just, even if you lose it, because I tend to fly mine off and I'm, I can't even work out where it is because <laughs> it's gone. And if you just press home, it will just come it will home. find its way home. Yeah. So between those three things, you're pretty well covered. When I, when I first got my drone, I was uh, trying to do a, uh, a, a sort of tracking shot of, uh, you know, uh, motorbikes sort of coming through the trees and uh, got it all set up and we were riding through the trees. I thought the drone was following and then I, I sort of looked around and I couldn't see it anymore and uh, I'm thinking, oh no, it's crashed into something. I've lost it, you know, it was my brand new drone and... Uh, I sort of sheepishly rode back to where I started from, and there was the drone sitting. It had found its way back to where it's gone home on its own. That's fantastic. Fortunately, I've been flying mine quite a lot with Grady Brand, a friend of mine, and he mm. he's my spotter. So we go, it's over there, it's over there. Do this, do that. And I'm looking down at this thing, trying to go left and right. And, getting instructions from him so it's enormous fun to be had with these things i think they're interesting Mm. they're interesting from for me now not from this sort of enormous height looking down but just to have them you know four or five four meters in the air taking a slightly unusual angle so it's just kind of frees up your photography to a slightly different angle um but yeah great it's just aerial photography Mm. no exactly but it's accessible but there are, uh, there are annoying buzzing things, but I also accept that. So I'm very careful to fly mine well away from everybody else. I wonder if any listeners think we're annoying buzzing things. Quite Hope possibly. <laughs> no, that's, that's visual, wow, that's that, visual arts that, covered. That, that's, my, that's my cue to say that that's, our, that's your lot for the week, actually. Yeah. Well, next, next week we'll try and be out and about. Absolutely. And uh, get the whole team there. <laughs> <laughs>